The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we are set to go here, and uh, you're ready to join the show. Pinpoint Health Show on the air and ready to rock. The number 416-870-6400. That's the number to call in. You have some uh, some pain issues. Bring them on. Dr. Lou is here to answer those. Pinpointhealth.ca, by the way, is the uh, is the way to get uh, get on the website. And you want to reach out. It's the Lou down the long-form podcast and uh, info at pinpointhealth.ca as well. Dr. Lou, how are you, pal? Hey, John. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm I'm hanging in there. I'm ready to rock and roll. What's uh, what's going on with you? What's happening? Awesome. Yeah. So I mean, again, the show is always about uh, your calls, the, not yours, John, but the <laughs> listeners. So so I don't care what you have to ask me, John. I've answered okay. too many of your questions. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And continue to do so. Damn it. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I'd, I'd I'd answer any of your questions. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's obviously the the show is mainly for the listeners. Uh, send you know give us a call ask us about your pain injury stuff uh, let's see if I can point you in the right direction help you in any way uh, pinpoint the problem which is exactly why it's called pinpoint health uh, for that very reason that yep. my motto has always been that if you are able to have the right diagnosis then um, you know that's when when you can get the right treatment and you know the reality about stuff that's musculoskeletal or pain, and injury stuff is we often assume that it's benign, that it's just pain, that it's it's an injury and it's okay. You know, the, the important thing to realize here, and, and I had sort of a, an experience over the last few weeks, and, and I won't go into depth specifically about the experience, but it really did make me want to sort of speak about this. Sometimes things that seem like they could be very simple, like, you know, neck pain, back pain, um, can actually end up being things that are much worse and need and, and need more uh, you know, immediate medical attention and things like that. And so, you know, that that's a thing here. And that's a thing that, you know, this experience that I went through really made me, um, and it wasn't, it wasn't to me per se, but to someone that I know very well. Um, it really made me realize that, you know, you, you shouldn't people, it's very dangerous when people are assuming that they know what's going on with themselves. And there's a reason why healthcare professionals exist and they exist so that they can help find out what's going on and guide you the right way. You know, the reality here is, is, is someone, you know, take the example of low back, okay? When you've got low back pain, the assumption is I've got low back pain. It must be yeah. my spine. Other things can unfortunately create low back pain that are very bad things and need, and need serious type of medical attention. Now, the, the good news is that's very rare, right? Like we're talking less than two or 3% of the time is low back pain due to something that's more serious than, you know, mechanical things or things related to uh, the structures and the mechanical features of the spine. But, you know, the, the other thing that I always try to tell people is, do you want to be the statistic? You know what I mean? Like, I know it seems low, but at the end of the day, you never want to rely on just the statistics for yourself. And, and again, most of the time, it's going to be absolutely normal, and there's not going to be anything wrong. But the only way you'll ever know is if you get checked out, and, and you get someone who knows what they're looking for. So essentially, you know, part of the work that I do um, with the rapid access clinics for low back pain is very much about that, is, is really about looking at someone who, who has low back pain. And if they have low back pain, it's about determining, okay, we know that 95% of cases are mechanical issues. 
But what about the other 5 to 10% of cases? That's our job, really. That's what we're looking at, is to say, okay, can we just make sure that there's nothing else here? And so when I see a patient that comes in with something like back pain or upper back pain or whatever pain it may be or whatever injury it may be, my question is always, is this, you know, broadly when I look at them, I say, okay, is this a mechanical problem, meaning it's related to the structures and the mechanics of the body? Or is this something else? Is this, could this be an internal organ issue? Could it be an autoimmune issue? Could it be neurological? Could it be systemic? There's a whole bunch of other things, but that's the way you've got to look at it. And the problem when you're trying to self-diagnose is you don't know the realm of possibilities of what something could be. That's why we, you know, healthcare professionals go to school for so many years, is to learn that realm of possibilities that these things could be. And so, again, it's very dangerous for you to assume that you know what's going on for yourself if you're not having it checked out. And, you know, you, people always, and you and I were talking earlier in the week, John, and, and we were sort of speaking about this idea of research, you know, this, this term that gets thrown around all the time now where people will say, well, I've done the research. And it's like, well, what do you mean by research? Because for the average person, what research means is I went on Google and I typed something in and I looked at the first three things that Google gave to me. That's really not re what research is. Research is, is, a, is a process. It's done in a certain way. It's done in a scientific manner. And there's a lot more that's involved into it. And I'm not going to get into that because it's overall boring and we're going to leave it up to the scientists and to the doctors who do that because they do a much better job of it. And so this idea that, you know, the average person has done their own research, it's just, it's not right. And so that, you know, you can use terms like, well, I've looked into it and here's what I'm thinking. And again, I think it's good that people try to become informed. I have nothing against that. I think it's a great thing. It helps to, for you to make sure that people are having the right eye on you, but don't self-diagnose. And I think I was yeah. speaking about this a few weeks ago where, um, I saw somebody's Instagram and it, uh, account, and it was actually a healthcare professional, and obviously I won't mention the name, but they had a whole bunch of videos on how to self-diagnose this and how to self-diagnose that and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I sat there and I like sort of slapped my head, like thinking like, are you kidding me? Like now even healthcare professionals are, are, are telling people to self-diagnose. Like how far have we gone here? Like it's it just it's not right. It's not the right way to do things. And then compounded with the COVID problem where, you know, less people are available to be seen in office and things are missed uh, because of that. It's crazy. So, you know, don't self-diagnose is the point. And, and the other point is if you're listening, you've got this as a resource you can call in. I'm not going to be diagnosing anybody, but at the very least I can start to help point you in a direction. And I think that's important that at the very least, rely on someone other than yourself to try to come to these conclusions, which take expert knowledge. 416-870-6400. That is always the number to call through here to the show for the remainder of the hour. It's only 1113, so you still got lots of time here on Saturday morning. Yeah, it's, it's funny how people will do that, and they will self-diagnose, but when they hear a ticking coming from underneath the hood, the first thing they do is run to the mechanic. Well, you should be doing that with your health care, too. Don't pull your own teeth and do your own root canals either. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's a great comparison. The idea that, you know, you don't really leave. And, and it's funny because it's almost like everything else that we have in our lives. You're using the example of a car or, you know, I'll use the example of a faucet or something like people will often try to rely on professionals. But for whatever reason, when it comes to healthcare, care, uh, people feel like they're their own experts. And, and you know, like, again, I try to be really very realistic about this in the sense that, 
you know, I do believe it's important for people to be informed. So I'm not sure. saying don't go on Google or don't try to figure out what may be going on with you. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is once you've gone that far, now that you have that, go see somebody who can help you decipher through all that information and get you to where you need to be. For you to do it on your own is not the right thing. And I've seen this countless times, and any healthcare professional can, can, can reiterate the same story, that when people are self-diagnosing, they're also mismanaging. Because again, treatment is predicated on the diagnosis. If you've got the diagnosis wrong, then your treatment's gonna be wrong and you only get worse. And that's never a good thing. Uh, and, and, you know, that in some instances can be life-threatening, right? If you miss something, you know, a classic example is something like arm pain, right, which is just pain, less arm pain, but could be a symptom of, say, something like a heart attack, right? right. And so, so you thinking that, oh, you know, you get this arm pain out of nowhere and you think, hey, that's fine. I'm going to go on Google and it says that if I have shooting pain in my arm, it's a disc in my neck. And if I do this exercise... That should help me. And then you're doing that exercise, but really what you have is a heart attack in progress. Well, that's life-threatening, right? Like that's a mistake that's not worth making that mistake. So some of these things have very serious consequences. And that, you know, that's probably an example that won't happen that often because of how much people understand that left, you know, arm symptoms are related to the heart, which is good. But there's other things like that that are not as prevalent and not as well understood. And so now all of a sudden you're taking that chance. You're taking that chance of, trying to self-manage yourself, and as you're self-managing yourself, are you potentially missing something that could be very, very serious and in extreme cases even life-threatening? 416-870-6400. Our phone calls always top priority. Bernadette, thank you for joining us this morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. What's uh, what's on your mind? What's your question? Um, I've got a pain going down my left leg. I've got a tumor pressing against my sciatica just at the very top above my leg, I guess my pelvis, and it's squeezing my sciatic nerve and it's squeezing my main artery down the leg. Okay. Now, I'm sorry, did I misunderstand? Did you say a tumor? Sorry? You said a tumor? A tumor, yeah. Okay. And sorry to interrupt you. Keep going. Um... So I've got the no circulation of the, the blood, so my leg is becoming numb. And also I have neuropathy due to chemo at the bottom of my foot, so my foot is always sleeping. Right. So how do I wake it up? Yeah, yeah well, I, so, I mean, when it comes to uh, pain management, we actually sort of decipher things into two big areas, and we, and we talk about pain non-cancer pain and then cancer pain. So cancer pain is like a whole subspecialty in and of itself, which I am not an expert in. But obviously, if you've got a mass that's pressing on the nerve, then that is the problem, getting that under control, however they would do that. And again, I'm not an oncologist, so so I'm not going to comment on how that's done. But that's a result of what you've got going on. And this is a good example where you know, where I was talking about that sometimes things like we've all heard of sciatica, everyone says that they have it. And in your case, this is a case where sciatica is not due to just a muscle or a nerve problem in the spine or something like that, but actually something uh, that that requires more uh, medical attention uh, and specialized attention like a tumor. So, um, you know, in terms of what you have to do, I I would encourage you obviously to speak with the healthcare team that you're dealing with. 
you know, stuff related to chemo is it's a, another issue all in and of itself. It's very complicated, the, the things that it can cause. And again, that's not my area of expertise. And then when it comes to the sciatic, the pressure from the tumor, well, if there's pressure from the tumor, that's what's creating the problem, right? So it's really about getting the tumor under control. However, they, your, your team feels that that is best. And again, I'm not sure because that's not my area of expertise. Okay, so can you direct me though to? I mean, well, have, I, you, have you not seen an oncologist? Oh yes. Yeah, so that's that's who, you should keep speaking to your oncologist and and make them aware of the symptoms that you're feeling, and they'll be able to direct you um, on on where you may potentially be able to get that treated and and how that how you would go about that. Bernadette, appreciate the call. Thank you for your time. Follow up if needed. We'd like to hear your progress. On a, at a different time. Let's take a short break. We'll get back into it. Just like Bernadette, make that phone call, 416-870-6400, info at pinpointhealth.ca. We'll continue with the Pinpoint Health Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Okay, we're right back at it. Uh, 416-870-6400 is the number to call through. Info at pinpointhealth.ca. Info at pinpointhealth.ca. And if you're into uh, long-form podcasts, it's a good one. The Lou Down is the name of it. The Lou Down. Search that wherever you get your uh, your favorite podcast to have a listen to those. We're going to move on to uh, to Richard. Hey, Richard, thanks for standing by. And Richard is just hung up. Never mind. We're going to move on to George. Hey, George, how are you, pal? Good, good. How are you doing? Excellent. What's up with you? Uh, you know, I have exactly the same problem. I think I just heard this lady talking, except it's not cancerous. But what it is is uh, something is pressing on my uh, sciatica, and I've had uh, back pain for years now, but this is the first. Now, what's happening is it went down to my feet, leg, and then feet, and my foot's gone to sleep. It's been two weeks now. Right. So this this is number one. I want to use this as, as for anybody listening again as a very good example where we've just heard two people uh, that have sciatic type symptoms with numbness and tingling into the legs and the amount of different things that can create that problem. Now, George, it was George, right? That's the name. Yeah. Yeah. You me- you mentioned it's not cancerous. My my first question to that is number one. You're you know the statistics would say you're most likely right. But number two, have you actually been investigated by somebody or are you just, you know, you, you're confident to say that yourself? Well, no, no, I've had MRIs and all that. And... Okay, good. So, so then it's been, so obviously, so there you go. So these, these are the, this is what a healthcare professional does is hear a, a symptom or a sign and then determine what are the causes. Now, there's, you know, the thing that I do when I hear someone say they've got that type of, of presentation, we know when someone says that, that there is pressure on the nerve. The next question becomes, well, what's creating the pressure on the nerve? Is it a muscle? Is it a, 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 a bones in the spine? Is it a disc in the spine? Is it something like a tumor? Is it potentially even something higher up, say, in the brain and other areas that can create that type of issue? So my point with you, George, is that the, 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 what you need to do is figure out exactly what's creating that problem. Once you're able to figure out, not you, but once someone can help you figure out what that 
problem is due to, then again, that will be what determines what the treatment is. What, how do you go about treating that? Because obviously the treatment for a muscle issue is very different than the treatment for a tumor issue. And I, again, I know you don't have that. I'm using that as the example because of the previous caller. And, or even, and even if we break it more down into the benign, the treatment for a muscular issue that creates that is very different than a disc issue. So this is the important component of getting these things diagnosed the right way. And the problem with pain and injury is that when people use a catchphrase like sciatica, they believe that's the diagnosis, but that's not the diagnosis. That is what the presentation is. The question becomes, what is the diagnosis creating sciatica? So that would be my recommendation for you, is you need to get that investigated and determine what the best course of action is based on what exactly is causing that sciatica to be irritated. It is a disc, you know, that is... That is and have you had any treatment? So you, you've been told by somebody it's a disc. Have you... Um, had have you had any treatment for it? Yes, like uh, over the years, I've almost tried everything. Okay. Tried those injections and acupuncture, physio, chiro. Yeah. Typically, in my experience, the one thing that people, when people say they've tried everything, the one thing that's often been missed is that they haven't rehabilitated their spine the right way. And when they haven't done that, that's when these problems get there. And, and I know people will say, no, I've done some exercises and I've done this, but that's not what I mean. I mean true rehabilitation where you're doing a lot of different exercises to strengthen and that process continues. Remember, when you have these types of issues, it's not that you're looking for a cure. What you're looking for is what's the way to manage this. And so the rehabilitation is a, is a process that doesn't end. It's a process that you have to continue doing um, and, and, and that's the component of this. So when things become chronic like this, we look at treatment in terms of passive and active. Passive means something that someone else can do to you. And all the things that you listed off are passive. Those things are much better in acute and subacute phases. Once we get to the chronic stage, what we really need to hear is how much active treatment is being done, which means that you doing the right things for yourself every day. But I'll have someone give you a call or you can give us a call, and, and I'm happy to sit down with you and, and, and go through this more in depth. Thank you, George. Appreciate that. Here is the number, by the way, if you want to reach out, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, and info at pinpointhealth.ca. But here and now, the phone call to get on the show, 416-870-6400. Richard, you're back. How are you? Hey, good, good. A uh, question, couple of questions. One is, uh, how long does it take uh, to uh, heal the ribs? I damaged my ribs, fractured them last Sunday on an ATV. And then uh, they got me on some uh, naproxen, 500 milligrams twice a day. Uh, it makes me a little bit shaky, but takes the pain away. I'm just wondering how to wean off the pills, and uh, how can I help my ribs heal a little faster or better? So in terms of weaning off the pills, I would have that conversation with whoever the person was that put you on the pills, number one, because I don't know the extent of, of why, you know, I have a good idea, but again, it's not my place to, to be taking anything away from anyone or adding anything. So that would be the first thing I would say for that is speak with that person. Second, in terms of fractures, um, fractures, there's not much you can do for rib fractures except try to control the pain. Uh, most fractures in the body 
you know, in, in an ideal type of person. So I don't know the specifics around you, your other medical history, but most things will start to heal and should have callus formation um, probably within four to six weeks and then probably somewhere in the neighborhood of two to three months completely healed. Now, again, that's depending on a lot of things. I'm sort of giving a general uh, type of thing in terms of other things that you could potentially do to self-manage that. I mean, from a local perspective, ice, right? So icing that area is going to numb it out and reduce any inflammation, and that would be, you know, one of the things that I, I always recommend to people who have uh, fractured ribs is, is is ice that area, nice. maybe take some warm baths as well just to loosen up the muscles and alternate between uh, those two things. Um, it's usually really, and, and you know, don't, don't aggravate it, right? So if you move a certain yeah. way and it really hurts it, then don't move that way uh, because that means that you're, whatever way you're moving is hurting it. So it's really about understanding your body and then using some very, very simple uh, types of medical things like ice and heat. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. No problem. Take Appreciate it, Richard. You. Yeah, you bet. You as well. You want to uh, reach out any further, one eight five 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 doctor Lou. That's D-R-L-O-U, and uh, info at pinpointhealth.ca. You know, we got into the conversation, you and I, a little earlier this week about, uh, you know, the fall season, and, of course, the flu season's coming up. You mix that in with COVID and so on and so forth. But one of the ways you can kind of protect yourself is the uh, the vitamin regimen, and we were talking about vitamin D and vitamin C as well, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, two uh, very important things that that people should really. I mean, e- even outside of vitamin C, like all vitamins are important, but I, I really the one thing that I want people to understand is how important vitamin D is. Vitamin D is a very very important vitamin in our bodies. In some ways, it even acts like a hormone. I won't go into all of the things that it does, but listen, if there are if it's a vitamin or a mineral and somehow was created to evolve with us and necessity is there, it means it's important for us, right? So, like, right. Uh, you know, when people try to understand, well, why is, like, if it's there, it means it's important. That, that's the point, right? And we, we don't have to get into the science of that right now. But what I can tell you is vitamin D is very important. The second thing I can tell you is most other vitamins and minerals you can get through consumption of food and doing things. So I'm not one of these people that pushes for heavy supplementation of everything because, again, I think if you have a well-balanced diet, you do the right things, you'll be able to get most of the things that you need in general. Obviously, I think it's important for people to speak with their healthcare professionals, and they may have specific cases and specific things going on where they may need to supplement more with something that perhaps they either don't absorb the right way or maybe they have a dietary restriction that prevents them from getting a certain nutrient. So there's a whole lot of like, you know, asterisks that I'll put next to what I'm saying there. But in general, I think for anybody who's healthy, has a well-balanced diet, exercise, the general healthy person can probably get most of the things that they need naturally. Where I don't think that's possible is vitamin D. And I say it's not possible specifically where we live here in Ontario, in Toronto, in the GTA, because the primary source of vitamin D is sunlight. And I mean, you know, I I don't, even after understanding that, I don't think I need to say anymore, but I will. Obviously the days are becoming shorter and the days are becoming colder, which means that everybody will get less and less vitamin D. That's just simply the way it works. In that case, if that's the primary way that people can get vitamin D, it's not readily available in foods. So the only other way to get it, if you can't get it through the sunlight, and it's not overly, it's not readily available in foods, it means you need to supplement with it. And that's very important from an immune function, uh, from so many different things that vitamin D does. So 
that's John, what you and I were talking about, and that's sort of my message to most people is that I don't think it's a bad idea to be supplementing with vitamin D. Again, next asterisk that I will put there is speak with your healthcare professional. There might be different quantities that you should be supplementing with. Maybe you've got something going on where they don't want you supplementing with that. So I'm not saying, you know, anybody listening, I'm not saying go run to the drugstore and buy vitamin D. I'm saying it's important for you to consider it. And the same way I don't advocate self-diagnosis, I don't advocate self-treatment. Speak with somebody who's a professional, about any, any healthcare professional, and speak with them and figure out if it's a good idea for you, the individual. Let's take a short break, and uh, we'll uh, rejig things and get right back into it. In the meantime, give you a couple minutes to uh, line up a phone call, get some answers, 416-870-6400. Pinpoint Health Show continues. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are indeed, and we are back, and welcome to it. 11.37, and Dr. Lou, ready for your phone calls, 416-870-6400. That is how we roll, and for the remainder of the show, feel free to call in and ask uh, your questions. Bob, thanks for uh, for standing by. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, doctor. How are you? Uh, I've got a large cyst uh, on on my left leg where the fibula attaches to the tibia. Right. The size of a golf ball. Okay. I've had had a CAT scan and an MRI. They're calling it an intramuscular cyst. It's putting pressure on nerves. Right. It causes uh, immense pain right down the leg, radiating right down into the ankle. Okay. Yesterday I went to Emerge and, uh, and a doctor tried to drain it, uh, right. stuck a needle in and pulled out about, uh, I don't know, if you look at a turkey baster, that diameter, he filled it up about an inch with a sort of a yellowish fluid, Right. but the, but the rest of it is very hard, and it relieved the pain almost immediately. Okay, good. Uh, my, my question is, uh, a couple of years ago, my family doctor sent me to an orthopedic surgeon. I have loose loose uh, uh, leaky joints, like arthritis in the knees. He says you need a double knee transplant. And then on on the CAT scan, they said there's severe calcification of of, uh, arteries. And he says, yeah, I can do the transplant, but you'll be coming back in a week and I'll have to amputate your legs. So he says, drink lots of water, stop smoking, and come back to me in a year, okay? Yeah. All right. So, anyways, this thing has been festering since April, and because of COVID, I haven't been able to, you know, uh, I've got a doctor's appointment set up in in November right. for an orthopedic surgeon. Yep. My my fear is amputation. Uh, could this cyst cause me this much pain, and is it a big deal to have it removed? Well, I mean. That's a very specific question for your specific right. case, which obviously I, I haven't gone through the extent of it to, to be able to make a comment like that. Um, there's a lot of things you've given me there, a lot of information um, that you've provided there. I think obviously the, you know, whoever the treating professional is, so whoever the professional is that you're seeing in October, 
will obviously give you some direction as to what the likely future holds if you do something or if you don't do it. And I think that's important. I also think it's important that you get those answers so that you can make an informed decision. Um, what I can tell you right now, um, just in terms of make, keeping an eye on it for yourself, uh, in the meantime, is anytime you have something like that, you want to make sure that you're not um, you know, you, that, that, that if that cyst continues to grow, that it's not pressing on vital things like nerves and blood flow um, to the point where it's stopping it. So if at any point your foot becomes, you know, numb, numbness, tingling, like where it's worse than it would otherwise be, or if you start getting other symptoms like your foot is cold, you can't feel it, um, as things progress that way, that would become more the reasons why you would want to go to an emergency department just to make yeah. sure that it's not growing and putting pressure on those things. Because as you said, like when the eMERGE doctor drained it, it takes the pressure off of it and obviously the relief is, is quick. And so that you want to make sure that you don't, uh, that that doesn't keep happening. And if it does, you do want to get it drained. I think what you'll have to consider with the surgeon is what's the long-term solution here. Like how do you go about it? So do you either somehow remove it or do you keep it and manage it and keep getting it drained? But I think the question around amputation, again, is a very, very specific one. I, I think some should of I, the other things... Sorry, go ahead. So should I be taking supplements? Like, I've been taking a joint ease supplement. You no, know, that, that, none of that stuff is going to do anything at this point, right? Like, this okay, is a right. thing around supplements that is very important for people to understand, especially when you're dealing with herbs, vitamins, all of these things. You know, people, I, here's a good example. I get people who come in and have, you know, severely osteoarthritic knees, and then all of a sudden they say, should I start taking glucosamine? And my answer is, you probably should have started about 25 years ago. Supplements yeah, exactly. and of natural remedies are very good to help slow the progression of things and, and maybe even prevent it or delay it. They are not good for treatment, right? Like you taking glucosamine is not going to cure severe knee osteoarthritis. So same thing with this, like, You've got something going on that needs attention specific to that, and and it's either likely removal or continual drainage of it would be my uh, my guess at it. But again, I think you have you should go to that appointment, get get those answers uh, that you have answered, or uh, get those questions answered from the professional that you're seeing. And in the meantime, be aware of any weird symptoms that develop further, where you would need immediate medical attention. Yeah, well, the symptoms that I have, you mentioned the numbness of the feet. I tried raising, you know, where you raise your toe towards your head. Yep. I couldn't move the foot. Yeah, and that's a sign, that the, yeah, that's a sign of, of the nerve being so severely affected. Those are the things you want to keep an eye out for. And, and if yeah. it gets there, then keep go back to, to emergent and, and get them to manage it there. What's your recommendation for pain control besides opioids? Yeah, it's it's so specific to the area, right? Because if you've got something pressing on a nerve, um, it's tough, right? There's a lot of things for nerve pain, but again, it's all about understanding somebody's history. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to give a blanket statement as to to what it is there. I think again, speak with whoever you're dealing with on that, and 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 try. But again, I think the the bigger underlying concern is is about either getting it removed or drained on an ongoing basis, and that should help to control a lot of the pain. Bob, appreciate your time. I hope that gave you some answers. Uh, reach out further, of course, to your uh, your healthcare professionals. And let's uh, let's take a short break. Dr. Lou, get back into our last segment. And it's uh, 
Still a lot of time uh, for you to cover off here. If you want to make a phone call, uh, do so. That's how it works. Get some answers. It only takes a couple minutes. 416-870-6400. Info at pinpointhealth.ca. And the Lou Down, the long-form podcast where you get your favorite podcast. Some great stuff there as well. We'll continue. Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is 11.47, and welcome back to the show. Indeed, you got something to say, you got a question about your health, get some answers, 416-870-6400, info at pinpointhealth.ca. Where are we going, pal, in between phone calls? What do you want to talk yeah, about? Yeah, no problem, John. You know, one thing that sort of going back to the last call that I'm sort of thinking of, and, and not specific to the caller, uh, but just something that I heard the caller say that I think was important where, um, the doctor had recommended, you know, stop smoking and, and a, a couple of other things. Like, you know, the one thing that I really want people to understand is that, unfortunately, the the healthcare system is very much designed to somewhat be sick care, right? Like, and, and I'm not saying the healthcare system outside of even me, even what we do a lot of the times is seeing people when they've already gone through something and then trying to help them manage that something. And that's the reality. And I know people are always saying that the system is a system of sick care, but that's really the only way that the system is and, and could be. And really what I want people to understand and what I really try to advocate for is we have a system for that so that when things happen, yes, you can get treated. But the important thing to understand is lifestyle matters so much in terms of what you can do for your health and wellness. And that's an important component. Like, again, I've gone through this, you know, a lot of times. And, I, again, it's not rocket science. And you know what I'm going to say, John, and a lot of people out there know what I'm yeah. going to say. But it's important to take care of yourselves. When you don't take care of yourselves, COVID-19 is the perfect example of understanding that if you don't take care of yourselves, when other things happen, right, what do we keep hearing in the news? That if you have comorbidities, you have other issues going on, heart disease, high um, um, diabetes, obesity, these are all lifestyle things, right? These are all things that could be modified by people eating moderately healthy, exercising moderately, taking care of their mental health, and being well overall. And, and again, it's not simple. It's not hard. I mean, this old stuff is, is very simple. And we hear this. This is the consequence of what happens and COVID-19 is just bringing this to the forefront for people who otherwise don't understand this, but it's the same for everything. You are more susceptible to a flu if you have other problems going on. You are more susceptible to a cold if you have problems going on. You are more susceptible to a musculoskeletal injury in the way that heals if you have other problems going on. These are all things. And again, when we look at it, the biggest crisis that we face, we're talking about a pandemic right now that's related to a virus. The biggest pandemic that our world faces right now is that people make poor lifestyle choices every single day. Those poor lifestyle choices are what will predispose you, unfortunately, to either getting things in the future or if you do get those things, to not dealing with them so well. And it's something that I really try to advocate for often. And I think it's very, very important that people understand this, that it is really your lifestyle and your wellness, what you can control, which will help 
to dictate your overall health the most. And then, yes, unfortunately, if something does happen and you've done all the things that you could have in your power, we have a healthcare system that can help you with, deal with those things. Because I'm not saying that if you do everything perfect, you're never going to get sick. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that if you take care of yourselves, in the event that you do get sick, your outcomes will be much better. That is consistent, not just for COVID, but almost for everything else. It's, you know, it's so true, everything. We, you and I have had this discussion at length so many times, and it's, I mean, yeah, it's not guaranteed that even in tip-top health you're not going to run into problems with COVID-19. But chances are when you stack the deck in your favor, it, you know, something like this comes down the, the pike worldwide, and it really separates the wheat from the chaff. And I know so many people that are now high risk and scared to leave the house or they've had it and they've had trouble recovering, and I'm just looking at it going, again, I'm not bulletproof. I might drop dead of this virus eventually, but I'm not actually scared of the virus. I'm scared of the economic implications because I eat right. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I ride my bike 100K a week. I'm doing everything I can do at 50 to keep myself upright and moving forward under my own steam. I just don't understand why people don't want to do this and, and, and maximize it. You can't live past your potential, but you can try to, you can try not to lower that potential. You know what I mean? I don't get it. Don't Absolutely. Get it. Absolutely. And again, you know, I'm not an unrealistic person. And again, people think, think that healthy means, you know, six pack abs and no, I, I mean, right. health, it sits on a spectrum as well. And it sits on an inverted U curve as well. There's a point that's healthy, and then sometimes when people are excessive with their exercise, their eating habits, they actually go into periods of being unhealthy. Some of those people are more susceptible to illness. Again, when, we, when I talk about health, I mean just being well. The research yeah. is very clear. If you have a diet that is primarily real foods, okay, and, and you are moderate with other things like alcohol, and then if you moderately exercise about 30 minutes, four to five times a day, that is overall what, where we say that's an ideal place for health. You know, people who run marathons are often more susceptible to illness because it's a strain on your immune system. But that doesn't mean sitting on the couch isn't the exact same thing on the other side of the spectrum, right? You've got to be able to find the in-between. And you're a good example, John, of what you've just said. You're not riding your bike, you know, a thousand kilometers a week you're doing 100k a week that's probably 20k a day or something like that very healthy you eat healthy you enjoy life you do the things that you have to do you don't drink in excess you don't smoke you especially smoking like when i hear people still calling in and and saying that they're a smoker like welcome to why you have whatever problem you have it's, it's probably the worst thing that you could be doing for yourself and that's for anybody and i'm not and I, I make no, like, issue about telling people that. Like, if you're smoking cigarettes, you are in another century. There is nothing good about cigarettes. Nothing. Zero percent. And that is one of the worst things that you can be doing for yourself. If you're drinking in excess alcohol, you're not doing anything good for yourself. And, and like, it's crazy because people know this. I'm sure if you ask people, they say, yeah, I know it's not good for me. Well, then why are you doing it if it's not good for you? And it's just, and it's so, it's so frustrating at points. But again, my point here is that we have a system that is unfortunately sick care, which means that when something happens, we, the professionals, are here to help you. Yes, that's unfortunate. But you have the control to dictate your wellness. That's very different than sick care. You can dictate how well you are by living a life that includes healthy eating, 
moderate exercise and taking care of yourselves and limiting high-risk behaviors like smoking and drinking. That, not rocket science. I have not said anything that I'm sure that most people don't know. But if you follow exactly. through with it, you're going to, number one, minimize the risk of things happening. Doesn't mean you eliminate it. And if, unfortunately, something does happen, you'll have better outcomes. That doesn't mean your outcome will always be perfect. But at the very least, you're mitigating all of those risks. Let's get to Patricia. Thanks for standing by, Patricia. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you. Go ahead. Yes. Um, what I was wondering is I continually have a low white blood count. Um, and then my neutrophils are like low at like usually around 1.3. Uh, and I'm just wondering, like, I've never really, um, researched any further on this, but I just started thinking like as a preventative thing, like, should I be speaking to the doctor? Cause he hasn't sort of pointed out to me to say, okay, well, why is this happening? And should I be concerned or what can I do to, uh, improve this? Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it seems, it, I guess it would also depend on where the ranges are and also what sort of your medical history is. Like some people tend to have some out of the what's called the CBC, which is the complete blood count, which is what you're referring to. You're referring to your white blood cells and then neutrophils are a component of those. Um, and you're saying that both of those are low. Um, you know, again, sometimes people have these things that are normal for them. Like as an example, uh, my wife has low hemoglobin, but everybody in her family that is a female has that as well. So that's like, you know, if we saw that and it was otherwise not part of her medical history, then we would obviously look for that. The other thing is where the ranges are, right? Like the ranges, you have to understand ranges for all blood work are based on sort of taking the average of the population. Some people might fall slightly below that and it's still normal for them, or they might fall slightly above it and it's still normal for them. It's when it gets to like super extremes that we know it's not, um, not related, but you know, any, you know, I would assume that if a doctor's taken note of this, they've continued to follow up. Like has, was this only on one blood test or was it multiple? No, blood it's tests? been over the past. Uh, I've noticed it over the past four years. Okay. Yeah. I, so, I mean, I, I definitely do think it's worth having, that conversation with the doctor as to what they think is exactly going on. I mean, your white blood cells at the end of the day are important for fighting infection. So you may not have, you know, anything that is per se a diagnosis going on where you have to treat something, but you, you should know that white blood cells are important for infection. So you'd be one of those people that I would say, hey, be careful with something like COVID, right? Like make sure you're right. doing all of the things, wearing a mask, washing your hands, all of those things to keep yourself safe because, you know, with low white blood cells, you might be more susceptible to infection. But again, this is me sort of using your example and just sort of speaking in general. I don't know enough about you to even say that that's mm -hmm. truly the case for you, right? I'm just sort right. of thinking out loud. But yeah, I, I do think for sure, I mean, I, I would want to speak, you know, speak to the doctor, right? I would want to say, like, if you were a loved, loved one of mine, I would say, hey, I want to speak to that doctor and see what the plan is. Is this just watchful waiting? You know, it, it sounds like nothing else is out of whack, which is good. Um, so I, it, it sounds like it's, you know, and if it's been going on for this long, it's also, you know, could be normal. Like I, as an example, myself have very high ferritin levels, which is iron. And like sometimes when you see that acutely, you might think of things like, intestinal issues like cancers and things like that but i just have that i just have 
high iron. So people often will have certain things that are just normal for them. So that's probably based on just the timeline that you've given me that it's been going on for so long. I would assume that that's where you fit in, but it's worth having that conversation with the, with the doctor. Patricia, appreciate your time, and we are out of it for this week. You want to uh, follow up with Dr. Lou, you can do so. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, info at pinpointhealth.ca is the way you want to do that. Go online for that one for, uh, for email, and always check out the Lou Down, the long-form podcast series as well. We'll catch you next weekend on the Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.